I'm Kylie Sultana, your money mistress here at the Money Brew Podcast. We're going to get down and dirty and take the taboo out of the topic of money and get your financial world in order. Hi, Wealthers. Welcome back to another episode of the Money Brew Podcast. Uh, I have another special guest for us today. I have Glenn. Newbury from Suburbanite. Um, you'll be guessing if you're watching this on video that he is a property advisor. Um, <laughs> that's what we've got there. Um, so I personally know Glenn. So uh, quite a few years ago, Anthony and I decided that we wanted to invest in property and we came across Glenn and we just really loved his values and his ethics. So Glenn actually helped us buy our first property. Um, but Glenn's got a pretty amazing property journey himself. So welcome, Glenn. Thank you for coming on and having a chat with me today. Um, so I'm really excited to hear about what you're doing now and about your property journey. But first, tell us a little bit how you got into doing this. Yeah, thanks, Kylie. Um, yeah, and thanks for having me. Um, yeah, look, I, I've you know been investing in property for a long time. Um, 25 years now, I think, um, since I purchased my first investment property. Mm-hmm. And um, like most people, I guess, when they started, um, didn't really have a lot of idea of, of you know, what they should be buying. And, and um, yeah, so as time went on, I, I, I guess, you know, if I want to talk about my story and how I, I got started, yep. uh, bought an investment property. The first one I bought was um, in Canterbury in Sydney. Uh, it was a one-bedroom unit. Yep. And uh, I think I bought it for 112000 or something like that. Oof. And it was running for about $155 a week. Um, but back then, interest yep. rates were sort of, um, yeah, around about, I think, 12% back mm. then, I think, from mm. memory. Mm. And, um, yeah, and the problem was that, um, you know, the rent was nowhere near covering the the, the mortgage repayments. Mm-hmm. And um, you know when uh, you know my wife left work at the time to to have kids. Yeah. You know we we're on a single wage. I was paying my own mortgage plus having to top up the investment mortgage. Yeah. Was when I really struggled and um, I could see things going backwards financially. Yeah. And that's what really drove me to uh, you know really get educated in property investing. Yeah. And. Uh, so that that's what I did. I I really had a thirst for education and did, you know, so many courses, um, like a lot of people, I guess. Yeah. And uh, sought out some really good mentors, and mm-hmm. from there, um, you know, I decided that it was it was a good idea to actually sell that property mm-hmm. and focus on something that was probably a bit more uh, better cash flow, yeah. and um, ended up. You know, following my mentor at the time, and uh, buying properties in New Zealand. Oh wow! And, uh, yeah, so that that was an interesting story. I had never been never been to New Zealand before. Yeah. Uh, but my mentor at the time was buying in New Zealand. I knew where he was buying. I knew what he was buying. Um, so I decided to buy a ticket, and uh, so I'd sold my my property in Canterbury, and fortunately. Um, you know, it had some really good growth in the, I think I sold it about five years after I first purchased it and it yeah. had doubled in value in that time. Nice. So I sold it for two twenty, I think, from mm-hmm. memory and, uh, yeah, decided I was going to go and invest in New Zealand 
jumped on a plane on a Sunday night <laughs> and flew home on Wednesday night and I'd bought four houses um, wow. in three days. Wow. And, um, yeah, and, and that was really, um, you know, the thing that really got me started um, in, into investing and uh, I sold those properties two and a half years later and made 85% profit on those and they were all positive cash flows. So to give you an idea, yeah, I bought. I had one property here in Sydney yeah. which I sold for two twenty and was renting for one fifty five. In New Zealand, I bought four houses in total. The total cost of those four houses was two twenty five. So I was buying them for fifty. I think most expensive one was fifty eight thousand. Um, oh, and what what year was this? Uh, this was in two thousand and three. Yeah, well, so not yeah, really. Oh, that no, long probably, no, 2004. Sorry, 2004. Okay, so that was what, 20 years ago? Am I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was buying, buying, I think the cheapest one was 48,000. And I actually I had the opportunity to buy one for $18,000. And I said no. And now I'm kicking myself, obviously. But, <laughs> but um, anyway. Always away. Could have, would have. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, yeah. Yeah, the cheapest one was like forty eight thousand, and the dearest one was fifty eight thousand. But I'd spent in total, I think it was two twenty five. Um, but the rental income on that two twenty five. Now remember, I I sold a unit for two twenty five or two twenty, yeah. and I was yeah. getting one fifty five. These four properties combined cost me two twenty five, and were earning five fifty five a week in rent. Yeah, so wow. the yields on those were amazing. Yeah, they were. More than covering the the cost to to hold, yeah. and that was my first real, um, you know, I guess experience with positive cash flow property. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, I sold those as I said two and a half years later and made eighty five percent profit, and then um, yeah, started buying back in in Australia again because there there was a bit of an issue with with owning property internationally, uh, number one, the time zone difference. New Zealand wasn't so bad because, um, you know, they're a couple of hours ahead of Sydney. Yeah. So I could get up, you know, in the morning and at 7 o'clock it was 9 o'clock over there so I could be on the phone to the agents if there was any issues or anything like that that yeah. I had to deal with. Um, but also you're hedging currency. Um, uh, so when yeah. I took the money over, um, it was a dollar Australian for a dollar mm-hmm. 25 New Zealand mm, okay. um, but when I bought the money back it was a dollar Australian for a dollar nine New Zealand so I actually lost 16 percent just on currency alone. On your exchange yeah um, yeah the exchange rate right so um, that kind of you know was a bit of a dampener on it because while I'd made 85 percent profit in the sale I lost quite a bit of that. Yeah. In currency, right? Yeah, okay. Um, so that then was, you know, I, I did consider after that buying in the US, but I just, after that experience, and went, you know, it's a whole completely different time zone, much more difficult to deal with and, and yep. chose not to do that and yeah. just bought in Australia. And I started doing reno flips and things like that um, here in Australia and and did quite well out of those and, and then move more into a, a buy and hold type strategy. Yep. And um, but renovating some of those properties and pulling equity out and using that to help buy additional properties and build my portfolio. And 
yeah, yeah. one clock forward 25 years now and I have a, a pretty sizable property portfolio. Yep. Um, and uh, one, one point in time there back in 2011 when I really started to ramp up my investing, I bought 14 properties in three years. You yeah, wow. Um, and and really went crazy building the portfolio and and uh, I still hold most of those properties today. I did get rid of a couple of those. Yeah. Um, but I've added others to the portfolio as well. So, um, so so what what do you look at when you're deciding to to get rid of something out of the portfolio and to add? So do you kind of look at the overall aspect of what's happening with the portfolio, or do you just look at that yeah. one property, the numbers on that, and say, well, that's bringing everything else down. Let's get rid of these couple. Um, it's a little bit of both, but. To me, if you're going to sell a property, you've always got to have a reason. What? Why are you selling the property? Yeah. Um, and for me, at that time, you, you sort of get to a point where there's a bit of opportunity cost, right? You're holding on to a property that's now got great value yeah, um, because it's grown in value, but the yield on it, um, you know, doesn't necessarily keep up. And, and yeah. basically, as the value of the property goes up, the yield falls, right? Because the rents don't typically go up like the value does. And, you know, so all of a sudden your money's not necessarily working harder, but it's also about looking at it and saying, okay, I've got a fair bit of, of equity in this property and if I sell it down, I can utilise some of that profit to pay down some of the other properties within the portfolio. Mm -hmm. And what that does is then increases the cash flow because I've got less debt. Mm. Um, you know, if I refinance it or whatever, mm -hmm. but also I can put that money. So basically what I've done is I, I've bought a property in a, at a certain level, you know, sort of mm -hmm. not necessarily right at the bottom of the market, but when the, the market is low and ridden it until it's it's kind of peaked and, and even come off the peak a little bit, mm -hmm. but I've still got that capital gain in there. Yeah. And then if I then get out of that market and repeat the process and go and buy in another market that's kind of somewhere near the bottom of that market. That's mm -hmm. what I call riding the wave of growth, right? So yeah, yeah, get in, it. ride that wave of growth. And I don't suggest you do this with every property, but with some properties you can then get out and keep doing that. And the whole time what you're doing is you're building up your capital base and then, yeah. you know, I guess helping to get rid of some of that debt on the portfolio which then releases cash flow, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, and that helps to turn the, the properties into positive cash flow. And, yep. and at the end of the day, the goal is to have a portfolio of properties that have no debt. And, yeah. and when they have no debt, do I care if interest rates go to 15%? No, I don't because I don't have any debt. So it doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. Now, back in the day, you know, when I bought my first home, interest rates were 18%. Yes. Um, you know, yep. hopefully we never get back to that that point again. Oh, but um good lord, yeah. Yeah. But but if I don't have debt, I don't really care what the interest rates are doing. So um, you know, yep. at the end of the day, I want to have a home that I live in that's debt free, and I want to have a property portfolio that's also debt free, and I'm able to live off the income, income. from that portfolio. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I was going to say before um, with the, the buying, when you decide what to buy and sell, I guess that's because you have an underlying big picture goal. You know Correct. what you've yep. gone into this for. So it's like an eyes wide open kind of thing. You, you're, you've got your long-term goal. So you know what you yep. want that to do. So Correct. yeah. So what would be something that you would say, so with our practice, we get a lot of people, you know, they're at the weekend barbecues or whatever, and they come in yep. and say, oh, 
I want to buy a property. I just want to sort some things out. Maybe I'll do a self-managed super fund or it's they quite don't quite know. It's just like somebody said to them, oh, I've got all these properties and it generates this rah, rah, rah. What would be something you would say to these first timers, you know, if they've not bought property before? Um, yeah. If they but so, so Let's just assume they own their own home or, or they have a mortgage on their home and they're thinking they want yeah. to do something um, and they've just heard their friends chatting about you know, their portfolio or whatever? What What's the one thing that you would want them to do? Yeah, look, I, I would say educate yourself, absolutely, um, but also speak to somebody because while their friends may have, you know, achieved this and they, they have those, you know, those properties or that portfolio or whatever, what they need to keep in mind is that person's financial scenario mm-hmm. is potentially completely different to theirs. So what is right for one person is not necessarily right for the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you, you've just got to be careful with, you know, taking advice from those people because, you know, they're going to tell you what they've done, mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily right for yeah. you. Um, yeah. You know, just because it was right for them doesn't mean it's right for you. And because they were successful at it. Yeah. their financial position may be different, you know, so yeah. they might be able to hold a lot of negative cash flow or whatever because they earn higher incomes or they don't have any debt or anything yeah. like that. So you need to take all of that into the equation because, um, you know, if, if people do that, and this is what I see quite regularly is, is people, you know, go off what their friends have told them or whatever, and what they find is that, you know, the property that they they then go and buy is not necessarily right and doesn't perform, you know, and do the things that they want it to do. And effectively, they've gone and bought the wrong asset. Um, and I do see that quite a bit, unfortunately. Yeah, um, we, we've, we've seen it a fair bit too, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Mm. Um, you know, everybody's goals are different. Everyone's financial positions are different. Everyone's scenario is different. Mm-hmm. It's about really understanding, firstly, what are your goals and what is it that you're trying to achieve from investing? Yeah. Um, because, and then understanding your financial position and, you know, what is your budget to buy and, and mm-hmm. what, you know, and especially in today's environment where if you're using equity, you know, to cover the deposit and the purchase costs of a property, you're effectively borrowing 110% of the value of the property or thereabouts. Um there's going to be negative cash flow, right? There's not many properties, um, you know, unless you get into some, into some really creative strategies um, or more advanced strategies that are going to be positive cash flow when you're borrowing 110%. So it's about understanding the cash flow of each particular property because they're, they're all going to be different. Yeah, of course. Um, and understanding, you know, okay, there is going to be negative cash flow and, is that negative cash flow sustainable given your financial position? Because if it's not, it's not the right property for you. And forget about things like depreciation and things like that because they're an after-tax thing. At the end of the day, you still have to cover the negative cash flow until tax time Mm -hmm. and you might get some of that back. But week on week, you still need to cover it out Mm -hmm. of your pocket and you need to make sure that you can um, so you never ever factor in depreciation into the weekly calculations. Yes, it's a benefit, and always remember that the government can change the rules, which 
you know, we're seeing all the time they're tinkering with this, they're tinkering with super at the moment, you know. Um, if you've got more than three men in super, like here's these people that have worked so hard, put all this money into their super, and now the government are going, well, if you've got more than three million bucks in super, we're going to tax you a little bit more, you know. Like yeah. um, they can always change the rules. So you never, ever want to rely on a tax benefit when it comes to investing because uh, the government can always change the rules. You need to look at it as a basic, you know, income in, expenses out. Can I handle that? Forget about whatever tax benefits I might get. Um, If I get them, they're a bonus. And if I don't, then I can still hold on to the property. And that's the way you really need to look at it. Yeah, nice. Um, So, yeah, talking about changing, um, the government changing things, things are always changing and you you just never know when that's going to happen. I mean, you know, superannuation is highly politicised, so that's always changing and tax rates and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yes, you definitely need to take that into account. Also, um, we've had to take into account because our, our first property was older, so we've just recently had to renovate the bathroom, um, there's been a few other things like the tenants um, said something about there's big cracks in the ground. So we've just had to have a building inspection to just make sure that it's safe. So you kind of, we would also suggest that you have a bit of a buffer there so that if, you know, things like that do pop up, that you've got the cash there yeah. ready to do it because that's the, the worst thing, right? If you've yeah. spent all this money on a property and then 12 months later and you're struggling to pay, um, yeah, yeah. you know, that little bit extra that it might need and then all of a sudden, you know, the bathroom or something goes wrong because, we you know, plumbers and electricians and trades are not cheap. Um, yeah. now especially with the cost right. of everything going up so yeah. it's quite expensive yeah. quite expensive yeah I always talk about having two buffers number yeah. one is a capital buffer and that's an amount of money sitting in the bank that you have access to and, yeah. and people ask me you know what should that buffer be and I go well it, it's hard to say because everyone's scenario is going to be different but I say to people it should be a minimum five thousand dollars right yeah but if you don't feel comfortable only just having $5,000 and you would feel more comfortable having 10 or 15, then that's yeah. what the minimum should be, right? Yeah. Um, you, you need to have an amount of money sitting in the bank that you can access at any point in time when things like that go wrong uh, or, or need fixing or whatever, you need to have that. So that's your capital buffer. The other buffer that I talk about is a cash flow buffer, right? Yeah. So you know, you get your pay once a month or once a week or whatever that scenario is, and you've got your normal living expenses, your mortgage and your groceries and your utilities and all of that sort of thing. And then if you've got an investment property, you know, there's some negative cash flow, which you you know you need to contribute a hundred bucks a week or whatever that is. And then you still need to have money left over from your weekly, monthly pay, whatever that is at the end of that. And that's what I call your cash flow buffer. You need to have a surplus there, you know, averaged out on a weekly basis, um, you know, to, you know, for when things go up in value and, you know, cost of living goes up and interest rates go up or whatever. Mm -hmm. You need to have that cash flow buffer as well. So they're the two buffers that I talk about um, when it comes to investing. Yeah, I like that. I really like that idea. Another thing that we, uh, the first thing we do is if somebody comes to us, um, you know, obviously they want to look at their superannuation and they want to start building wealth. Um, and if they say that they're inter- interested in property and it, and before we go on any journey with a client, we will get them to do a budget. 
Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, budget, you know, that, you know, I can't stick to it. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter about sticking to it. It's a matter of knowing what's coming in, what's going yeah. out and seeing what your surplus is. Um, so how can you possibly start setting any sort of goal if you don't know what you've got to play with? Yeah. You know, you, you're saying you want to spend this much money on a property, but you don't even know if you've got the money to afford it. You're just yeah. saying you want to do it, you know. So one of the basic things we do is know what your income is, know know what's coming in, know what's going, going out, know what your liabilities are, you know, what you have to pay every month, you know, like your internet and your, you know, car payments or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, but yeah, so I like those those two buffers. That's a good one. I might steal that. Um, <laughs> Feel free. Um, but I wanted to ask, um, so we met you a while ago and you were working for somebody else, yep. um, but you've since moved on. Um, tell yep. us about how you started on your own journey and, and what made you decide to do that. Um, to actually do what I do now or to move on from where I was? To, to move on, to start your own business, sorry. Yeah, yeah look, um, for me, it was it was more about um, being able to provide the level of service that I want mm-hmm. my clients to have, and also, you know, um, I, I know that you know everybody has their own level of values and ethics and everything mm-hmm. that, that that they want to uphold. And for me, you know, having my own, I guess, business as such, although um, you know I don't own Suburbanite, I am a Franchise holder of Suburbanite, mm-hmm. um, so effectively my own business because it is a it is a franchise um, business. But um, but yeah, it allows me to you know I can I have control of um, you know pretty much what happens with my clients, whereas mm-hmm. before I didn't have that control. Yeah, um, I also um, you know I, I service my clients with a a high level of service because mm-hmm. that's what I want to provide with my clients. And I want to give my clients a level that is above and beyond the standard um, advisory and buyer's agent service that they would get from most other people, Yeah, um, you know. And, and I think with the team that I have around me, um, I know that we're providing that service and and that's that's what I love and it's it, uh, everything aligns with, with me and and how I like to operate, yeah, and um, yeah, the level of service that I want to give to my clients, and you know, I, I was in Adelaide on the weekend inspecting properties for my clients, and um, you know that that's what I like to do because you know I want someone from our team to walk through every property mm-hmm. to make sure that the property is what it is and not just what you see on the internet. Yes. Um, because I can tell you they are two completely different things. And, um, yeah, there were certainly properties that, that I inspected on the weekend when you went, oh, okay, that's a bit of a surprise. That's not what we saw on the internet, you know. So mm, Yeah, they get um, a bit creative, don't they, sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, yeah, the you know, the descriptions that you see and, you know, it's the, the things that they don't show you that you don't know, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and... We reject a lot of properties um, that we inspect that if you were just relying on the photos on the internet, you would never have seen the things that we've seen to reject those properties. And yeah. we, we like to call it the John West effect. It's it's not <laughs> it's it's not what what we accept that makes us the best. It's what we reject that makes us the best. <laughs> <laughs> I 
love that. Yeah. Hopefully um, people listening are going to understand what the John West effect is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Showing show our age there, right? I don't think they run that anymore. <laughs> I think they do. No, we're yeah. showing our age. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But I do, I, I really like that because, um, I mean, with anything, you know, I mean, it's an agent's job, isn't it, to sell to sell a place. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I've heard some stories where they can be a little bit sneaky too. Um, oh, yeah. Sometimes you see these ads and it's, you know, they you can tell that they've just photoshopped in a bright blue sky and yeah. to, to make it look better. And, I mean, if they're happy to do that, you know, they're yeah. obviously going to be happy to do other dodgy oh. little things. Yeah. Well, it was funny. I, I um, inspected this particular property on the weekend and uh, when I got there, the agent said, oh, look, you know, sorry, you won't be able to take any photos and video, which we do for our clients, right, so yeah. our clients can see it, see the real photos. Yeah. said, oh, sorry, you won't be able to do that. And I said, oh, it was the property was tenanted and the tenant wouldn't allow it. And he said to me, we actually had to Photoshop out all of their furniture for the photos that we put up on the listing on the internet. Really? Um, and he said that just like took us forever to do, and uh, yeah, so anything's possible these days, um, you know, with that. And uh, yeah, so, so was that because the owners just didn't want their furniture? No, no, it was the tenants. So the, the tenant- property was tenanted. Oh, okay. And the tenants okay. didn't want anyone taking photos. They had drum kits and all sorts of stuff oh, um, okay. in the house, and that's interesting. Yeah, they didn't oh, want uh, any of that. Uh, yeah, enough, I so suppose. Yeah, that's the way it was. Yeah, okay. which was a shame because it was actually a really good property. <laughs> yeah, so would you just reject that then? Is that that a John West? You reject it? No, no, we won't reject it, and and that's the benefit of being able to physically go there and see it. Mm. Um, while I wasn't allowed to take photos, and and you know some clients won't like that because you know we can't actually give them real photos. Mm. Um, but you know because it's me and I'm you know I'm working for the client. Mm. Um, I have no vested interest in the sale of the property. Um, you know, if I go in there and I, I'm not allowed to take photos, but I've looked at it and I go, this is a really good property, um, you know, would I recommend this to a client? Yes, I would. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I can't give them photos um, mm. because we weren't allowed to take photos. But yeah. They have to rely. And, and that's at the end of the day what a client relies on us for and what they pay us for yeah. is to give them that independent guidance on yeah. whether it is a good property or not that's yeah. why people pay us right yeah so i mean we kind of go along the the um mantra as well that we wouldn't suggest something to a client that we wouldn't invest in ourselves yep. so Absolutely. i guess you yeah i guess you kind of think okay well would i yeah. buy this property for my portfolio yes yeah. so yes i'm going yeah, to absolutely someone yeah yeah and, and that's i guess the advantage of of being an investor myself yeah. and looking at a property and, you know, I can say, would I buy that myself having, you know, looking at my portfolio and, and you know, would, would that be something that I would add to my portfolio? Yeah. Um, you know, keep in mind that that property might not be suitable for my portfolio, but if yeah. it was a suitable property, would I buy it and add it to my portfolio? Um, yeah, and if the answer is no, I'm not going to recommend that property to a client, absolutely not. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and I think that's um, why I'm so glad that, that we reconnected. I, I saw your uh, something on LinkedIn, I think, or something, and yeah. I, I reached out that's right, um, because yeah. that's that's something that I really love is your values and your ethics. They kind of align with us at Creo, so it's 
you know, you're very upfront about fees and things that you charge. So yep. you are essentially a buyer's agent. Is that right? So you work yep. on a fee for service? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Same as us. Same as us. And I like that because there has been stories and we have heard of people, you know, buying things like off the plan and things yep. like that where, you know, um, property investors, you know, get kickbacks from developers, but also charge um, yeah. clients for fees. So yeah. just, yeah, we just want to get that clear yeah. that you are a fee for service and you're Yeah, that's client. right. Yeah. So we don't, uh, we only deal in established properties anyway. We don't do new or off the plan. Um, so we're not dealing with developers. We don't um, take commissions and we don't pay commissions to anybody. Yeah. Um, for us, we get paid by the client. Um, to find a suitable property for them, we are 100% working for the client yep. um, and uh, we have the client's best interest at heart. Um, so, and it doesn't matter to me if they decide they don't like the property, that's fine. I don't have a vested interest in that. I'm um, yep. not getting any commissions or anything from it. Yep. Um, so for me, it's about finding the right asset for the client because they're the ones that are paying me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and if, I if I don't do the right job by the client, then number one, they don't come back to use my services. And number two, they're not telling family and friends about me and my services because my business is 100% referral, Yeah, um, yeah. which is and a I really like important that. thing for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, I mean, you know, these days it's hard to um, get referrals with, uh, you know, everything online. It just takes one bad review or one bad yeah. experience and everybody finds out about it. So, you know, you're getting chased around by people on a current affair or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, right. So you were talking before that you have a team around you. So yeah. you've obviously got, you know, a team of people that go and do inspections and right. liaise with the agents and the clients and things like that. But if someone was looking to build a property portfolio, they would need a team around them as well. Who Who would you say you know, would be imperative to being successful in building a property portfolio? What, Who would you absolutely have to include in your team? Yeah. Well, number one has to be a mortgage broker. Um, if you can't get finance, you can't build a portfolio. Um, exactly. Yeah, property investing is a, is a game of finance. Um, and, uh, you know, different brokers have access to different lenders. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I've had a scenario where a client, um, you know, didn't have a broker, a mortgage broker, and I, I introduced them to a mortgage broker and their financial scenario was was a little bit complicated. Mm -hmm. And that particular broker said, yeah, unfortunately, because of your financial situation, we can't, we're not able to get you a loan. And that client came back to me and said, oh, you know, I'd really love to invest, but I can't get a loan. And I said, no, no, that's, you know, that's not the end of it. Now go and have a chat to this mortgage broker here. And the reason I did that was because I knew that mortgage broker had access to different lenders than the first mortgage yeah, broker. Yeah. And that client went on to buy three investment properties, right? Oh, so from yeah. one broker that said, no, I can't get you a loan to a completely different broker that went and got them three loans, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and it was just because they have access to different lenders. Um, all the different lenders have, you know, different criteria yeah. for, for getting loans. So Yep. Number one, obviously, has to be a mortgage broker. Um, number two is an, a good accountant. Mm. Um, believe it or not, yeah. Yeah. not all not all accountants are investment savvy accountants. Um, no, you know, no, they're depending... not created equal. No, that's right. And again, if if you want to build a portfolio, 
not only getting the right tax advice, but getting the right structuring advice, how you physically yes. own properties. Mm. Um, you know, most people would know, understand, yep, you know, I go buy a property and it's in my name or, you know, husband and wife's name or whatever. Mm. But that's not always the most beneficial way of owning a property. You know, you can own properties in trusts and self-managed super funds and, mm-hmm. you know, companies and all that sort of thing. And getting the right advice around how you should actually own that property is is really important and that can you know make a massive difference to uh you know the taxes you pay and mm-hmm. and all of that sort of thing so um that that's really critical so having a, a good uh i guess property savvy property investment savvy accountant on your side is yep. is uh really good having some great financial planners because you know while I am a property guy I do believe that Everybody should have a diverse portfolio of assets, not just property, not have all your your money in one asset class, um, you know, shares and everything, but also having the right insurances in place. As you're taking on more debt, um, you have a lot more risk. Um, so making sure you have the right insurances like income protection and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the right, you know, um, life insurances and things like that in place, mm-hmm. um, so that you you know you looked after and absolutely and uh, getting the right advice around that, mm-hmm. um, you know. So you know, great financial planners like yourself, the Creo, um, to assist with that. So um, yeah, that that's really important. And then obviously having a great property investment <laughs> advisor, right? Got to have one of those. That's not um, like that out, yeah, goodness me. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but yeah, make sure. You're talking to someone that doesn't just talk the talk, they walk the walk as well. Because yes. at the moment, um, you and I had a discussion previously about mm-hmm. um, the industry at the moment. Um, there are a lot of people out there that um, uh, can talk the talk but have never walked the walk. Yeah. Um, and uh, unfortunately, there's a, a there's a lot of cowboys in the industry at the moment, let's just say that. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think people are going to get burnt. Um, so you've got to be very careful um, where you're taking your advice from. Yeah, um, I agree. And, uh, yeah, just make sure you do your background checks and ask, you know, all the right questions about, you know, their experience with investing and yes. and uh, everything like that. So, um, yeah. yeah, really important. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Maybe we could come up with a checklist and we'll... Um, have that available for a download or something with the podcast. That's a really good idea, actually, doing a yeah, check. absolutely. Um, so thank you so much for chatting with me, Glenn. Oh, so, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Really yeah, you're, you're so welcome. I love talking to you on about property because I just love hearing about people's, like, investment journeys. I just, you know, if we can kind of encourage one person to go and do something that their future self's going to thank them for, yeah. um, then, you know, I'm all for giving them the education on it. and we. Yeah. We're like you. We think that you should have a diversified portfolio and we want um, clients to have what they're comfortable with. If you're comfortable with property, then do that. If you're comfortable investing in your super or, or, you know, other investments, then do that. But do something. Don't just do nothing and get to 55, 60 and think, holy shit, I've done nothing, you know, it's and it's never too late to start, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. 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 And I, I've never heard I've never heard an investor say, "Geez, I'm glad I didn't start that ten years ago." Exactly. No yes, investor's exactly. ever said that, right? No, um, never. I've never heard yeah. anyone say it. No, that's right. 
Um, yep, the earlier you can start, the better off you'll be, the easier it is to create that wealth. The later you leave it, the harder it is. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you've got yeah. to take a bit more risk to build that wealth that's as you right. get older. So um, that's right. But well, that's the just, time you shouldn't be taking the risk, right? So that's right. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's not about timing the market; it's about time in the market. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so thank you. Um, and I am going to have all of your links and everything up there for everyone to contact you. But did you want to just give us a quick what's what's your website? Where can people reach out to you? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, you can reach out to me at gn g for glen n for newbury yep. dot suburbanite dot com dot au is yep. my website or shoot me an email glen g l e double n at yep. suburbanite dot com dot au uh, you can catch me on socials um, on Facebook and uh, also LinkedIn um, I'm quite often posting things up there yep. um, you know as I said not just what we're buying for clients um, but what we're rejecting. And, you know, quite often put a lot of information up there about, you know, good locations, why we like certain locations, you know, what the market's doing, all of that sort of thing. So if you want to get the latest insights, jump on the socials. Awesome. Thank you so much. And again, I'll have all those links there for everyone so they can easily go follow you and contact you. So thank you again, Glenn, and have an awesome afternoon. Thanks, Kylie. Thanks for having me along. Really enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me for another episode of The Money Brew. Make sure you subscribe to the show in your podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. We'd also love you to share this podcast with any friends, family or colleagues who might be interested in starting a conversation around money. This information is intended to provide general information only and has been prepared without taking into account any particular person's objectives financial situation or needs. Any general advice contained within or given during this podcast, whether orally or in writing, does not consider your individual objectives, financial situations or needs. Nothing in this podcast is intended to be investment, financial advice or a recommendation to invest in a financial product. Before acting on such information, you should consider the appropriateness of the information having regard to your personal objectives, financial situation or needs. In particular, you should obtain professional advice before acting on the information contained in this podcast. Creo Wealth is a corporate authorised representative of Matrix Planning Solutions Proprietary Limited.